All right, here we go, my friend. A question today about posture from the community. Awesome. Uh, this is a great topic. I'm very excited about this one. And I, you know, just kind of preemptively, I'll put it out there. This may be a topic where I get to rant just a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see if that, uh, hey, that moment is kind of spurred on. So the internet, internet loves a good rant. And I think, Who doesn't? I, think yeah. I think we're a good pairing for this because mm. you're Gumby and I'm the Tin Man. And so like... <laughs> You know, we're coming at some postural things and idealized mm. movement from two different places. So sure. between the two of us, I think we'll be able to flesh some things out as to what reality actually is. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is from Tim. Hey, Pat and Boz. Thank you so much for the show. Uh, let's see. I have a question. Since I am dealing with some bad body posture issues, rounded mm. shoulders and some neck things that he has going on. Hey, I feel you there, brother. Those two, those hit home for me. I ask myself if a regular CrossFit program will somehow automatically correct my posture on the long run, or is it wiser to first concentrate on fixing my posture, making sure that I will always have the exact right position under the barbell, and then move forward with workouts? I'm a little concerned that when my shoulders are in a bad position doing a snatch, for example, that my posture might even get worse. Is this the case? What would you recommend? Thanks in advance. A fair question. Uh, yeah, a great question. And I think one that uh, many people can relate to. I mean, I think there's very few people that step into the uh, gym in our modern world, Pat, and are just moving great and, uh, you know, have nothing that kind of is in their way mm -hmm. physically or anatomically. I think that's the rarity these days, unfortunately. Oh, so yeah. So definitely, uh, definitely one that I think applies across the board. And I think this is interesting because, uh, Tim, I live this life, my friend, and I don't, mm. I don't, you know, it depends upon what you have going on. And is it sure. something that's going to be fixed with a little bit of TLC, uh, a band or a ball and a couple of YouTube videos? Or do you have something mechanically that's present, preventing you from doing something from a motorcycle wreck or a surgery or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And you just might be limited, period, end of story, to a certain range of motion or articulation of a certain joint that might not be, quote unquote, ideal or might even be far from perfect. So what do you do in that case? Do you not train? Like the issue isn't mm -hmm. going to get better. And so I think wherever you are on the spectrum from You've got something which will always be your friend to, hmm, I've just been lazy and need to pay more attention to how I'm moving. There's a, there's a path towards strength and conditioning for both of those individuals. And hopefully we can kind of help lay that out today as to what's, what's rational, logical, and sane, and what has been um, deemed the boogeyman of, of bad posture. And heaven forbid you do, you pick something up with anything other than absolutely perfect 100% technique. So that's that's the, my simple goal for this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple of uh, places to start here. I'm not quite sure where I want to go first. Um, you know, the first thing maybe to kind of piggyback off what you said is that no matter what situation you find yourself in, there's always going to be a training option. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't, doesn't 100%. necessarily mean that it's going to look like the training option that the person next to you is choosing. Uh, but I think the message in there is like the human animal is not so fragile that you're going to be in a situation where you're just like, well, that's it. I can't do it. Uh, very rarely the case. Um, you might have to be a little bit smarter about what you're doing and what your approaches are, but you can't 
take the approach that oh, one false move and it's just the house of cards collapses. That's not the way right, that we're right. put together. Um, and it's a, it's a bad mindset to get into because it starts to kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get so worried about moving out of step, so to speak, that, you know, if and when you do get injured, you're like, oh, there's got to be some causal thing and it's something I did and maybe it's the movement I did. Mm -hmm. and, and chances are you may never know what the causal mechanism of injury was. Uh, you know, sometimes those acute injuries, they have a clear cause and mm -hmm. sometimes they don't. And you can drive yourself crazy and start to build up this kind of fear response to a perfectly good movement that, you know, maybe for whatever reason tweaked you and, and you don't need to put that on that movement. So it's, it's kind of an inarticulate way of saying that, number one, I don't think it's a good mindset to engage with if you're approaching things with it's so delicate and so exact that if I'm out of that strike range even a little bit, mm -hmm. it's going to have this you know, like hugely catastrophic result. That's not the case. I think I can tackle a couple of things in Tim's question just quite succinctly to maybe give him mm. some what I think is immediate feedback. Let's see if you uh, yeah. disagree or not. And then maybe we can springboard from these. So taking something out of his question right away, I ask myself if a regular CrossFit program will somehow automatically correct mm. my posture in the long run? Answer, no, it will not. Like no strength and conditioning program is magic. Like you can, you can do deadlifts, squats, thrusters, you can run and do pull-ups well or poorly. Like that's, so the program itself doesn't automatically make you move better. Like that's just not going to occur. Moving better is going to come through any individual either self-identifying what's less than ideal in their posture or having somebody with a great set of eyes identify that and then figuring out a, a path forward. But the program in and mm. of itself does not magically make a, a bad mover a good mover. You can move inefficiently for a very long period of time. Just watch me work out on any given day to prove <laughs> positive of that. The other part of mm. it is... I, I, I don't know if I agree. Okay. I, I disagree. Uh, I actually, I think pretty strongly with that. I, I think that yes, on its face, a program like CrossFit will objectively improve your posture. Now, does that mean it will make it flawless or improve it to the degree that it's, um, you know, something you never have to worry about again? No, but I think the nature of being exposed to the shapes that are demanded of regular CrossFit movements, if you haven't been doing that otherwise, I think it will absolutely make an objective increase in that posture and the ability to maintain it and um, the way it's going to represent it in, in your life generally. Again, could, will it resolve it forever? No, but I think, I, I don't know that I agree. I think I that could it see will... if somebody just started doing CrossFit um, with no instruction and no nothing and from day one pulled a rounded back deadlift and nobody ever looked at them or they never objectively tried to look that they just continued to work out like i don't think their deadlift is going to suddenly not have a round back two years later no but i i i guess my argument is that that by the nature of engaging the musculature necessary to deadlift however poorly it's more likely that you're going to have some impact on the ability to stand up straight than not even if that shape that you're making in the deadlift is not great it's still going to have a positive effect to some degree. That's, I guess that's my argument. I, oh, I would agree if you're saying that there's, that that creature, let's say that creature did not injure themselves. They, they continued yeah. deadlifting in, in, a, in a far less than ideal way. 
they're still strengthening their posterior chain, their spinal erectors, their lats, they're like the whole nine. Yeah, so that's, you're going to still develop wonderful real world usable strength that will be wonderfully beneficial and a whole bunch of other things. But the mere act of them going into their, you know, gym by themselves every day and deadlifting in isolation, I don't think the deadlift just makes the deadlift better. And I don't think the squat just makes the squat better. I agree. But I guess if we're talking about a program like CrossFit in its totality, you're not just looking at one movement performed poorly. You're looking at a plethora of movements performed poorly, maybe. Sure. Right? Yes, and so yes, even, yes. even by the nature of doing a big range of movements poorly, I think the strengthening effect, the being exposed to different patterns and shapes than you would be otherwise, I think they do have an objectively positive impact even if your technique never really improves that much with those movements in the gym that's that's my hypothesis and i'm i'm sticking to it because i think i've seen that more well, often think, than i haven't i don't think i'm i think your hypothesis is different than what i'm saying i'm okay. saying it, i'm yeah. saying the individual's technique won't magically oh, sure. improve 200 deadlifts sure. later that's what i'm saying now i think it's been demonstrated objectively like we always used to say with i think it was like um why am I blanking his name? T.J. Cooper, uh, like the mm, Jacksonville yeah. mm -hmm. Police Department, where yep. they started implementing functional movements with intensity, and their historical police department injury injury rates decreased significantly, and the performance of their offices increased significantly. All the things mm -hmm. that you want, and they were training kind of in isolation, and then somebody with a you know a good set of eyes went down and watched them train, and it wasn't <laughs> generally speaking the technique that you would hope that people were doing. Yeah. So they were they were moving poorly because they just didn't know any better. But even in that poor movement, tremendous physical advances of the human creature took place. Mm -hmm. That, yes, well, I'm 100% on that. I'm saying your deadlift doesn't magically you know improve 200 deadlifts later if you don't work on it or somebody else doesn't help you work on it. So when I yeah, say when I say posture, I mean the technique of the actual movement. I could be got it pulling okay. early so well on my clean five years from now unless somebody goes do you know you're pulling early and you're clean i go what are you talking about got it and i guess what i'm talking about is the general posture that you're carrying moving and navigating through life not necessarily what you're doing specifically with the techniques in your work right right, right. So, Lifting I, technique so i agree with you in that versus posture yeah, you could deadlift or deadlift 500 times and never see an improvement in the position because you're not paying attention to it. But I still think that the benefit outside of that is that you're more than likely to stand up a little bit straighter. Um, I'm, I'm, so, I'm living proof of that. Again, no one's yeah. ever accused me of moving beautifully and it's done nothing. It's moving okay has done nothing but significantly improve every aspect of my life for the last 18 years, like hmm. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Tim screwed us over by using the word posture instead of technique. We're going <laughs> to throw Tim under the bus in this one. Yeah. So I would say that's number one. Again, just yeah. doing more deadlifts poorly doesn't magically make your deadlift better. Like it has to be identified sure. by you or somebody else. And you have to work on those cues, tactile, verbal, whatever it happens to be, to improve or fix that technical aspect of the lift. That's part one. And then part two is if you think you're only you only should engage in a strength and conditioning program once your movement is quote-unquote perfect, you will never start working out. That's yes. the other aspect of it. And those two can coexist, and I think they're both reality. Yeah, and I'll add to that that there's no such thing as a perfect posture. I think that's a false bill of goods. I, I, I think that, you know, 
there's an aesthetic ideal. There's certainly a textbook way that somebody who has studied in anatomy will tell you that this is what should be happening ideally all the time. Mm-hmm. But when the rubber hits the road, there are many solutions to the problem of how do you get across the room? How do you perform certain functions? Um, even at an optimal level. Uh, and you see this, I mean, like athletics are a great example where you can have two very different techniques that achieve a very high level result. So which one is correct? And the answer can be, well, there's many correct. Um, that's not to say that there isn't a, a scale of kind of maybe less desirable or bad <laughs> to better, sure. But this idea that there's a perfect posture shouldn't, in my opinion, be in anybody's lexicon. That's not really a thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even this idea that the body is symmetrical is kind of weird when you strip away the anatomy. I mean, you look at the, the, the situation of the internal organs, they're not symmetrical, you know? So how is it that you're going to have to argue that a, a posture needs to be perfectly symmetrical for it to be quote unquote correct? So just on that level, I think you got to escape this idea that perfect is this A, desirable or B, attainable thing. Um, and then to kind of put that into practical terms, it's like, okay, let's say your posture really does need improvement. Like we can look at it and we're like, yeah, okay, this is not good. Your spine is not put in a position that is going to set you up for long-term health, let's your, say. Your knees are touching each other at the bottom of the squat. Sure. Yeah. So there's some gross mechanical issues that are going on here. Fine. You have to be kind of not great at something and you have to go through a long period of being eh, kind of okay at it before it ever develops into something that is good and polished and consistent. So if you don't allow yourself to take a step in that direction until somehow through some other means you're perfect, it just seems self-defeating. Um, and I, I don't think it's doing anybody any favors. So in my opinion, you have to get comfortable with the fact that it's like, okay, maybe this means reduced loads. Maybe this means mm-hmm. I don't worry about the intensity for, for some time, but it shouldn't stop me from starting. It shouldn't stop me from taking steps along that path. Yeah. Well, that whole perfect is the enemy of the good. Like if, if mm-hmm. you wait to be perfect, you'll never start. You've just got to be pretty darn good. You just got to be acceptable, satisfactory. And I know that those are all words that it's, you know, like, well, what does that look like in the actual, you know, human being that's moving? That's that's tough to articulate verbally, but there's a difference, like you're saying, between just large, gross movement patterns that are based upon, you know, somebody might lift that way their whole life and never get injured. Happens all the time. Somebody might lift that way and get injured next week. So all you can do is, through the general, you know, Rolodex of experience that you have in your head as being a trainer and, and the shared perspectives, views, opinions, and experience of other people that you know and trust, things that you've read, you say, generally speaking, this is a solid way to deadlift. Generally mm-hmm. speaking, this is what we want to pursue on the pull-up, the push-up, the air squat, whatever it happens to be. And then you're going to try to replicate that to the best of your ability, given whatever it is you have going on with your body. And realize, like you said, that you'll be a work in progress and that strength and conditioning adheres to the same universal principles of everything else in the world, right? You're trying to do something relatively complicated, all things concerned. You're not sitting on a machine. You have to balance your own body, stabilize your own midline. You control the range of motion, the start point, the end point. It requires way more neurological components. You're trying to do it probably with some load 
And then if you've had some sessions under your belt, maybe you're trying to press the gas a little bit. So now you're trying to do something, relatively speaking, complicated with some loading and with a little bit of intensity. Nothing in there is reckless. Nothing in there is negligent. Nothing in there is unsafe. But you're doing something, you know, not you know, challenging with intensity. To think that your trajectory from day one to the rest of your life will be free of flaws, mistakes, and errors. Nothing else in your life is going to do that from driving a car to playing an instrument to using a firearm to you know, learning another language, like anything which requires technical complexity and speed. There's a learning curve to it. Those mm-hmm. laws of the world also exist in strength and conditioning. And I think somehow people think that they won't. In this aspect of my life, I will be flawless from day one and I will forever be flawless. And anything other than that is unacceptable. That's just not reality. It's not the world. So do, again, don't take what I'm saying as Pat gave me the green light to do whatever because hell, it's just be, relax- be re-reckless. No, 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 no. But just realize mistakes and learning happen in every facet of the world and they happen in the gym too. Your goal is just to get ahead of them as much as possible, identify them as much as possible, and then make smart decisions that involve getting your ego out of the way, which you just said which is so easy to say and so hard for CrossFitters to do in the moment. You said things that were right on point and accurate, but you'd have to break somebody's arm to get them to do it. Like, hey, <laughs> just just slow down or take some weight off. Yeah, sure. Of course you should <laughs> do that. You know how many people resist that far longer than they should? Mm. I remember working a seminar a long time ago, You know, back in the old CrossFit's Dangerous days when that was like, everywhere right and mm, couldn't figure out mm. why or what because none it wasn't hurting anyone that we knew and we knew a lot of crossfitters it was weird and confusing i remember was, like in front of like 50 people and i said i'm gonna i'm gonna try something here i don't know if it's gonna go well it could totally shoot me in the foot but i said hey anyone in the audience put a hand up if you personally have been injured doing crossfit okay and let's say that out of you know 50 people i'm gonna say like 15 people put their hand up okay and I'm, I'm, that's not an exact number, but I don't think it's too far off. And I said, okay, fair enough. Keep your hand up. Now, of, of you 15 people, when you got injured, did you have any inkling in any way, shape, or form, a little voice in the back of your head, something that said, oh, this is a bit too heavy for me, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Or, ah, this kind of feels bad, but I'm going to push through. Or, ah, so-and-so didn't slow down. So I'm like, was there anything like that? And Everybody, like 95% of those hands up are like, yeah, I kind of knew that I was doing something stupid and I did it anyway. It's like, okay, fair enough. But now the question becomes, did quote unquote CrossFit hurt you? Did the deadlift hurt you? Did the back squat hurt you? Or did your decision during that said activity lead to something less than ideal happening? And from all these informal polls that I took all over the world for a very long period of time, because then I started asking that like almost every weekend and I had the same response and the same response. People knew what they were getting into. So if you could actually have that that ability in your body of when that little voice starts to talk to you, you actually listen to it (laughs) and you stop and do what you just said, slow down, strip the weight off realize that it's just a workout. It's just another training session. And me doing something silly isn't worth it. I think a lot of people would have um, much better outcomes. And I think that leads to more problems than 
maybe like Tim's saying, hey, my movement is a work in progress. If your movement mm-hmm. is a work in progress, you're probably going to be okay. It's that other stuff that I just mentioned. I think that's where most people get into trouble. It's not that, yeah, I could lift my chest a little bit more in the front squat. I know I'm still working about that. You're probably still good to go like that as you're focusing on it, driving your elbows up, paying attention to the load. Like we can work with that. What we can't work with is, you know, running headlong into something inappropriate. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, to kind of get back to the pragmatic aspects of, of Tim's question, uh, you know, will will just doing this make my posture better? I, I've already answered. I believe that the answer is yes. Um, I'll phrase it a different way and say that I don't know of anybody who has started to engage in CrossFit in a reasonable way that their posture has gotten worse. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll put it, I'll phrase it that way. It's not like, okay, I started deadlifting and squatting and thinking about my muscle ups and learning to do pull-ups and running and all these different things. And, oh man, my posture is worse than it was before I started. I have not seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've certainly seen, you know, especially with older athletes, we're talking, you know, athletes in their fifties, sixties, some people that have developed legitimate things like kyphosis or kyphosis uh, where the upper back is rounded and it's basically fused that way mm-hmm. like the bony bony processes of the spine are they're not moving anymore they're not mobile and, and that's not like a roll on a lacrosse ball and it's going to open up type of situation we're talking a permanent bony structure change for an athlete like that yeah okay you may never get to the point that they're snatching and that and a movement like that may not be appropriate for them anymore particularly at load. But it's not to say that the whole pantheon of movements around that aren't going to be beneficial, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you couldn't make that improvement in something that's kind of already, you know, that ship has sailed, so to speak. So I, I would frame it that way as well. It's like, I have not seen somebody legitimately engage with that and say, oh, my posture was worse now than when I, when I started. And the second thing, I think you touched on this a little bit with this process of skill development, and it's universal. It doesn't matter what you're trying to develop. Uh, With that, I think that when we think about progression sometimes, uh, and and I'm just kind of thinking this through now, so this might come out a little bit rough, but I, I think the human tendency is to try to isolate a couple of these things into small bite sized chunks so that I can make progress in a step by step manner. And that's not necessarily a bad approach, but it can lead to some weird outcomes. And, and so let's take it out of the physical realm and go to something like, like learning to play music, right? Mm-hmm. If you wanted to learn to be a legitimate musician who's playing in a symphony or a studio session or something, you know, you're going to learn to, you're going to need to learn to play, to read music and play music. Now, if when I'm learning, I identify, hmm, you know what, I'm not very good at reading music. I'm going to stop everything else and just learn to read music better. That's a really weird approach and nobody's going to do that because it's almost intrinsically understood that you're going to learn to read music best when it's in tandem with actually doing the activity of playing music. You can't divorce the two and just accelerate the progress overall. It doesn't make sense. And I think that kind of decoupling is similar to what the mindset is here. Well, if I just get my posture right first, then I'll be able to have my posture right when I'm learning new things, it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily work that way. And it's probably going to work out a lot better if you let those things unfold in tandem. So long way of saying that I I don't think it's the right approach to try to get really good at something before you start doing something. Yep. No, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So I hope that helps Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I hope so. Um, 
I was trying to think if I had one other thing on that. You know what might be kind of the uh, odd hidden genius of the cross methodology as well with regards to whether you want to call it posture or technique and, and moving and whatnot? Because, you know, you've got your opinion there. I've got my opinion that, you know, 300 deadlifts later that the deadlift doesn't magically make you better deadlift. <laughs> But, but, I sure. think, but I think what's interesting in the middle is, you know, Glassman had some phrase about uh, flexibility. And I think it might also mm. apply a bit to technique and how people move. And he was saying that most people find flexibility rather boring. And if I tried to implement flexibility protocols, nobody wants to do it. I'd rather just work out. But mm. if I present to you a series of movements that are demanding of flexibility and actually having good flexibility will make you better at these movements. And then they're in a setting that I've, gamified where yeah. you look at the leaderboard and you want to do better well now you're paying attention to your flexibility but i couldn't get you there by just doing that but when it was helpful to your performance and the loads lifted then it became of interest to you and yeah. i think if somebody gets into crossfit and they enjoy it and most people become ravenous and passionate about it they start to pay more attention they probably are thinking more about how am i moving how do i pick this up how do i go overhead and just almost subliminally, they start to, the light bulb goes on a little bit too. I never noticed, what, what, what are my feet doing when I squat? You know, what are my knees doing? Mm. And little by little, I think that same game that was played with flexibility that Greg said might in some way, shape, or form, even to the isolated crossfitter, happen with how they move. And it's just a total random guess, but you know, there might be something no, I there. Think, I think that's right. And I, I, yeah, you're setting the conditions that kind of incentivize you to pursue that. Yep. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, I, I just want to finish with an anecdote. And I think I've told this one before. This comes from like the early days when I was doing a lot of personal training. Um, man, this boy, 2006 <laughs> and seven, some, somewhere around there. Um, but I had, uh, I had a client at the time. Um, she was a female athlete in her fifties and, you know, she's relatively fit, um, but not very flexible, not very mobile. And uh, had pretty bad posture, frankly, when she started working with me. And, uh, you know, to the point that we never really got to the, to the developmental level that she could snatch or overhead squat comfortably. But we did play with those movements with a PVC pipe and with an open barbell and things like that. Mm. Particularly the overhead squat. We used to do a lot of overhead squat work with no load as part of a regular warm-up. And I remember one time, this was after hmm, I, I, almost a year of working with her, that she'd come back from a physical and, uh, you know, just kind of idly. I'm like, hey, you know, I know you went to the doctor. With, how's it looking under the hood? And she was a healthy person. She's like, yeah, everything's good, you know. But the weirdest thing is that my doctor said I'm an inch taller than I was last year. And I thought, huh, that's really interesting. And then it just kind of hit me like a light bulb. It was like, oh, yeah, like she definitely, when I first started seeing this athlete, you know, shoulders were hunched, upper back is rounded, not great posture. And, you know, fast forward, however long that interval of time was, let's, let's say it was eight, nine months. It's not that the posture was perfect, but it had improved enough to the degree that it was noticeable to somebody that hadn't seen her and was evaluating her at that regular interval. Mm -hmm. And so even to me who would see her regularly, it wasn't something that was like, oh, check it out. This is something that I can feed back to you as the progress you've been making. But for somebody who hadn't had that regular kind of Mm -hmm. gradual increase it was very noticeable and and actually measurable so it's kind of interesting and um you know i at the time and I, I still think this is true i really attribute it to 
all of the overhead work and the overhead squatting drills that we would do, despite the fact that I knew it wasn't going to be an appropriate lift to really push the boundaries of, it was really more of a posture, flexibility, awareness drill. And it did have that trickle over effect. So kind of interesting. And, um, you know, that, that, that example is always going to stick in my mind as something that was pretty powerful. You know, and as you say that, I'm, I'm glancing to the side and looking again at Tim's question, because when I, like I said, when I read it, I thought that Tim was saying posture, but meaning technique, like moving mm. technique. He may very well just be literally meaning as I stand up my posture. And if that's it, like if literally the, the definition of posture, and if that's what he's saying there, then yeah, like that story that you said, I buy that 100%, 100%, absolutely, like for sure. So Tim, I'll tell you what. Between Adrian's interpretation of your question and my interpretation of your question and Adrian's wonderful flexibility and my terrible flexibility, you must have got something useful out of that. So hopefully, you know, we, st- we turned about every stone over there as we, as we possibly could. So hopefully that, that helped you out. And again, you're never going to move perfect. Make smart decisions and, you know, start the path, my friend. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Get, get, your, uh, get your feet wet. Get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to start, even if it's a little rough around the edges. All right, well, Tim, we appreciate it, my friend. If anyone else has a question, send it in. Put it in the YouTube comments, the whole nine yards. Check out verynotrandom.com for all the VNR cycles and programs out there from get your first pull-up, push-up, ring dip, muscle-ups, and barbell work. It's a 1.5-mile run program, so check them out. Help support the show. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.